Okay, I woke up this morning with a bit of a, I don't know, grogginess, dullness of mind, I call it, almost like a slight headache. So I hope what I can uh, share with you today will uh, encourage your faith and your love for God and for one another. I guess I was thinking this morning a little bit that there is uh, many different types of groups, clubs, organizations, I mean, even outside of church that people are part of. And they enjoy going to those events and things and it's kind of their life. And I think how much more I guess it is it means to me to be part of unworthy as I feel God's family. Uh, I haven't quite figured out or mastered my emotions in life, the good or the bad. But uh, I appreciated the song this morning that I want to love him more. And not only that, I want to love all of you more in my family, my children. That is my heart. And it's, uh, I guess I find it a channel and joys to respond rightly. To live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, to be uh, surrendered, to stay of good courage, all those things, it seems like the battle is really real. Uh, so what I was going to share, just some things I've been thinking about the last few weeks, months, I don't know, even some of it's been years, I guess, but... Uh, so what I share is probably in no means complete, but if anybody has any thoughts, you're welcome to add into it. Give me your thoughts if you want to. And I guess I was thinking of sharing this in a message, and so I'll try to keep it condensed here. I, I, I think I can share it all in an opening if not, then maybe there can be a part two, three, and whatever. But what I was, I guess I have a title, and I'm not going to share the whole title right now, but I want you to think about it. The, um, the title is The Importance of Faith, but the Necessity of, I'm going to leave that blank, in the life of a believer. So see if you can fill in the blank. So it says the importance of faith, but the necessity of blank in the life of a believer. And I don't know, um, I was looking for words that would fit the definition I had in my mind, and I don't know if I found the correct words there yet or not. But the word importance means 
Uh, I'll read a partial definition. That quality of anything by which it may affect the result. So the quality of anything that affects the result. So thinking the importance of faith. I mean, your faith affects the result, can I say, at the end of your life. Your faith will affect your daily life. The results you get out of your life, and this could probably be worded in different ways. Uh, so the importance. So faith is that thing which affects us, and then there are results in our life. Or I felt a little, not sure if that's the correct definition I was looking for, but anyhow, I'll give you that one. And then the word necessity means that which must be and cannot be otherwise. It is of a necessity that a thing cannot be and be at the same time. So it is of a necessity, can I say, that uh, something cannot be or exist and not exist at the same time. It says it is of necessity that two contradictory propositions cannot both be true. Yeah, that's an example given. So you, if you have two contradictory arguments or definitions, they cannot both be true. So the importance of faith, and would we say faith is important in the Christian life, I guess is the question I have for how important is it? I mean, just I've been pondering that. How important is faith? It is the victory. It's the victory. That what? Overcomes the world. What else is? Anybody have any thoughts? It's impossible to please God without faith. That's another one I have written down. Yeah. Justified. Justified. I have that one written down. I have that one written down. It is. So I'll go through the ones I have here quickly. Um, so the first one I have is Ephesians 2.8. For by grace, through faith, are you saved. Uh, it's by grace, but through faith. Faith is the avenue. Grace is the, can I say, substance that saves us. Grace is God. I think grace is the Holy Spirit or whatever. Don't need to get into too deep of that. But So how, I mean, how, how can anything be more important than that? Um, in 1 John 5, this is my next one, says, Faith is a victory that overcometh the world. And if we don't overcome the world, where will we be? Of the world. And John says, if we're of the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Uh, I can't quote that. Yeah, I'll just leave it there. Romans 5 says we are justified by faith. In Habakkuk, that's actually a quote from the Old Testament, Paul's words of being justified by faith he actually got from Habakkuk. Chapter 2, 4 says, Behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. But the just shall live by his faith. So, to interpret that verse, Behold his soul, which is lifted up, is not upright in him. So the soul that walks around in pride, it is... It's not, you're not upright. You're not upright. 
And we need to be humbled, uh, humble ourselves and to be humbled or to be broken. And, and it says, but the just shall live by faith. So when you live by faith, you give up. You surrender to God. You trust God um, that all things work to good. And sometimes I find it real difficult to uh, actually embrace that. To actually leave all things work to good. Uh, to those that love him. Hebrews 11 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. So think of the importance of faith again. I mean, what could be more important than faith? We can't please him. We're not saved. We can't overcome. We won't be justified. Um, Ephesians 3 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So Christ indwells us and fills us by faith. Faith is the shield where we can conquer uh, the fiery darts of the enemy. And I have Hebrews 11. Uh, by faith we understand the worlds were created by the word of God. And then I also have here that the elders obtained a good report. When you look at Hebrews 11, it's known in guest Christianum as the faith chapter. So it goes through Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and others. And how they conquered, um, subdued kingdoms, forsook Egypt. The walls of Jericho came down. Uh, that's also where it says without faith it is impossible to please God. And the elders obtained a good report. So that's how we will obtain a good report when we stand before God through our faith. So, I guess I had asked the question already, is where do we put faith? I don't, I'm not even sure what to call it. A value or a, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Faith is like a, uh, an, an absolute of the Christian life. It's one of the absolutes. How many is there? Uh, it's, it's of a necessity, I would say. It is a virtue like it's it's a virtue, it's a necessity, it's a something that a Christian must possess in order to have a relationship with God, to be saved, so on and so forth. So, what what is the blank in my title? The importance of faith, but the necessity of blank in the life of a believer. <laughs> So I'll read uh, a portion of the verse. And though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. So how can that be? How can, if you possess all faith, be interested to hear some of your thoughts. Maybe we can do it over lunch or whatever too. But the importance of faith, and yet Paul says, <clears throat> I mean, what is Paul saying? How do you balance that? I know we can't discard faith, and we can't say faith is nothing. But if I have all faith, that you can move mountains, and we look at that, I tend to look at that. Well, if I had that kind of faith, that's a huge faith. Jesus talked about great faith or 
little faith, or he mentioned that in his teachings. So sometimes when you read through these verses, I'm sure it's common to man, it is to me, we get used to them and we don't dissect them and understand them, process them, see the depth of it or the weight of it. So I was going to read a few verses there in 1 Corinthians 13. And I've, I've been looking at Corinthians off and on a while in the last summer here. Being as busy as we have been, it seems that I've my uh, studies and quiet time hasn't been what I it has been in the past. I, I enjoy deep meditation, but it seemed to have grow a little shallow and cold, and uh, not getting the understanding I have before. But First Corinthians thirteen, if you look kind of at Corinthians as a whole, the book. It was actually, or can I say, sometimes I think we look at it like in Christendom, I think it's looked at as like this magical love chapter, kind of like Hebrews 11 is. Uh, and I don't know if we see, and I, I acknowledge that I only see uh, my understanding of this is very limited, I feel, partial. But that book is written, a lot of it's written in correction. And so 1 Corinthians 13 is right between 12 and 14. And Paul was writing to the Corinthians telling them a little where they needed some correction and direction in their lives with the gifts and the tongues and the things that they were out of order in. And he says, I show you a better way. You know, uh, this is the way of love. So to sum that up, I think Paul is saying... Uh, you can have all these things and practice all these things, do all these things, but I'm going to show you a better way. This is what you're lacking. You're lacking love. Um, you need this. If you, look at, if you read 12, 13, and 14 in context as one, and even chapters before and after, you can kind of get that picture, what I'm saying. So I just found that interesting. Because uh, a lot of times when we read that, we go to that looking like, for answers or whatever, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I, I just found it kind of interesting that like Paul was telling them, you're lacking this. <clears throat> because I want to read a few verses of that. Um, he says, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and have not, I'm just going to say love, I am become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And I was going to bring me a dishpan up here and clang on it, and I forgot. Somebody could go get me one. <laughs> so just look at those words. Though I speak with the tongues of men. Listen to what he's saying there. What if you could speak all the languages of the earth, I believe is what he's saying. If I could speak. Now think when somebody's bilingual. You know anybody that knows Spanish or whatever they are, German or... I don't know a lot of people who are bilingual or trilingual or no... Was it quad would be next, however you want to pronounce say it. Three, four, five, six languages. Imagine speaking all the languages of the earth. It would be pretty astonishing to me. It would be... Uh, I would say 
be amazing, I guess. What an accomplishment. I would say the man is uh, very gifted. And not only the languages of the earth, he says, and of angels. And I'm not sure what angelic language sounds like, but that would be something from another realm. And he says, so if I could do that, but I don't have love, I'm just like somebody beating on a cymbal. Nothing. And he goes on in verse 2 and says, Though I have the gift of prophecy. So process that for a moment. What if you could foretell all future events in your life or the life of another? Or what about the whole world? If we knew anybody that had the gift of prophecy in that way, I know the word prophecy can have more than one definition. And I think this is referring to the foretelling of future. I probably need to confirm that. But if you knew a believer that could foretell the future, we would look at him as very great. I think we would. And he said, understand all mysteries, which made me think of the verse um, in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was... Justified in the, I can't quote that, but seen of angels, believed on in the world, received up into and without controversy, without argument, you know, without arguing. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Seen of angels, preached on the Gentiles, believed in the world, and received up to glory. So, if you understood all mysteries, you know, Jesus used the word mysteries a few times. He says, Given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Ephesians talked about mystery, I think. Um, I had a reference for that, I think. Um, oh, to make all men see the mystery, I think, of the fellowship. He talks about of Jew and Gentile in the same body. So what can I say? What I'm saying is that, you know, God to a degree, to a limited degree, I don't know where we want to put all that, is in His ways are somewhat mysterious. In this chapter, it says we see through a glass darkly. That's what I'm referring to. Some of God's ways are past finding out. So what if we could understand God in that way? You know, our humanity limits us. So what if we were not limited in understanding God in that way. <clears throat> that would be a marvel to me. Another thing that I could not comprehend. Or, he says, have all knowledge. And I know knowledge, uh, Corinthians says, knowledge puffeth up, but when I think of knowledge, I think of wisdom. Knowledge can and does bring wisdom to some degree, and I think of the wisdom of Solomon. So what would we do if we had the wisdom of Solomon? There was not a wiser man in the world, in his kingdom, in his realm. To have the wisdom to be able to, uh, as I think Moses said, to judge these people. You know, Moses had wisdom to help, uh, not judge in a condemning way, but to help make decisions in life and to judge righteously and, you know, right and wrong and, and walk and help others walk. If we had, uh, I think of Solomon and uh, when the 
two ladies went to him with that child and his wisdom, he said, cut the baby in half. And through that, his wisdom, he was able to say, who is the real mother? So when I think of having all wisdom, I know I could sure use wisdom. I could use all these. And then he goes on to say, and though I have all faith to move mountains, which I found it kind of interesting that I went and looked up the verse that Jesus uh, says about moving mountains, and he actually calls that faith just a small faith, size of a mustard seed. But I tend to look at it as a great, you know, a big faith. So I can't comprehend uh, that type of faith to move mountains. And I don't, I've heard people say that maybe we apply that by the mountains in our life, and that's possible, but I, I don't know what Jesus meant for sure there. Whether he's referring to the mountains in your life or real mountains, I don't know. I've never seen anybody move mountains. <clears throat> so, if I had all those things and I didn't have love, I'm nothing. So, that's why I said love is a necessity. And so I was going to read the rest of this chapter. I'll read the chapter in the New Living Translation. I kind of like that translation on this chapter. If I could speak the languages of the earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body... I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So in verse 3, when Paul says in the King James, though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and he was talking about sacrificing his body like to God. That's the way I understand that to be. He's like, even if I gave my, you know, sacrificed myself for God, it wouldn't do any good. And then he says in verse 4, love is patient and kind Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices when the truth wins. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, the partial things will be useless. So when I was a child, I spoke, as, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. And I think that's part of Paul referring to his correction here with the Corinthians. I think he's referring to them as being a little bit childish with their uh, 
pursuit of gifts, etc. Um, and I, I don't know for sure. Someone may have some input on that, but I know he was correcting them. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. So, the question, I guess, for me and for all of us is, what is this love? Do we possess it? Do we own it? Do we live it? Is it reality? You know, even, even the faith I talked about. So I don't know how many virtues there are like this in the Christian life that I would say is a necessity. I'd call faith a necessity. Uh, and so is love. The last verse... I want to read in the Amplified Version. So I said, what is this love? How real is it to us? And I guess... Uh, maybe for the reason of me seeking it, uh, studying it is, I feel a need of it. I feel a great need to possess that. But the last verse reads in the Amplified as, And now there remain faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. But when he says, And now remain faith, in parentheses here it says, An abiding trust in God and His promises. Hope is confident expectation of eternal salvation. And the love, he explained here, as an unselfish love for others, growing out of God's love for me. It is the choicest of the three. So, I guess that's what I'll leave with you to think about. Uh, so what is that love? Is it more important than faith? And I guess as I look back in life, I can uh, acknowledge a time where I think uh, faith was probably more important to 